0: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
1: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad that you joined me today. And th- this show that we're going to do today And for next week, it's going to be a two-part series. This is about your best year ever. And how can we do that? Are you ready for the best year ever? We're winding down this year. We're getting ready to start a new year. So what kind of a year are you going to have? And how can we successfully bring last year to a close and set powerful intentions for the new year? Now, we all think about setting New Year's resolutions, don't we? And how many of you have given up on that? Now, this is how I think about New Year's resolutions, because I do not vilify resolutions. I see them as vision setters. So they're intended to be reference points as to what I'm believing is God's will for me, his good and his perfect will. It's not something to beat me up with because I haven't arrived there yet, or I failed, or I keep messing it up or missing the mark. I need to make sure that my resolutions, quote unquote resolutions, are goals. They're reference points. And they're intended to keep me working toward the ultimate goal. It's similar to a map. They keep me in a mindset of progression. So they're not intended, and nor, nor should they be used, as shame creators or condemnation ammunition. So let me say that again. They're similar to a map. They're a mindset of progression. So they're not intended to be shame creators or condemnation ammunition. That is something that I have in the artillery that I pull out to harm myself with. That's not what... New Year's resolutions are for, Again, they are vision setters. So remember, the best year ever doesn't necessarily mean our best. We want God's best for our lives, and we want him to continue in the good work he started in us. So when you think about it, it doesn't mean it's our best, it's God's best. That means that we may have a really bad year, but actually, in God's eyes, a lot of really good work was done. So last year may have been a really difficult year. But in God's eyes... He's doing a good work. So as we begin this this particular show, this message, we're going to position our hearts and our minds to have a foundational focus and outlook that we are open and desiring God's will. That God's will be done, not my will. This means that I must daily position my mind, my heart, my soul, my body, my spirit to be open and seeking and wanting God's will. Now this is difficult but we have spoken about the ripple effect that phenomenon see if i do this intentional positioning of myself in all areas of my of myself i get i get it's a great majority of the battle is going to be won as to whether or not the moment by moment daily experience of my life is one of meaning of purpose and of hope and this results in vision so remember our biggest battle is the battle of the wills who will surrender will i accept and go with god or resist and hold on and struggle. Now, knowing God's will, is a whole, that's a whole nother show. But the positioning of our entire self is the point. This is the beginning of our new year. So this is what we're going to cover in this, this show and, and the, the show next week. It's going to be position of intention. We're going to bring the year to a close and keep it closed. We're going to create new beginnings for ourselves. We're going to manage our internal and external world and we're going to practice living in love and don't worry. So these are the things that are going to give me the best year ever, that I position myself with intention. I bring last year to a close. I keep it closed. I create new beginnings for myself. I manage my internal and my external world. I practice living in love and I don't worry. So before we dive in, Let's create kind of a reference point regarding position and intention. I like this verse in Lamentations, chapter 3, 22 through 24. And this is the message version. And I like looking at different versions because they just kind of help me to see it in different ways. So this says, God's lo- loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. So God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't dry up. They are created new every morning. So why this verse? Because you see, every day of the year is a new year. If you remember the show regarding Twilight, we discussed this idea that the Lord knew we needed new beginnings more often than we could ever realize. So we can start a new year any day we want. So we position ourselves, this position to, to realize that every day is a new day this coming year and that we get new beginnings Every single day. So is it going to be my will or God's will? Is it going to be my way or God's way? So this position and intention that every day is a new year, that's the position of intention. This means for this year I'll practice this. I will daily intentionally position my heart and my mind to say, not my will, but thy will be done. So I use my free will to surrender my self-will to God's will. That's a big sentence. I use my free will to surrender my self-will to God's will. So I use my free will to die to self-will and I enter in to God's will. So I'm going to say that one more time because it's really important. This is part of positioning myself, my mind, my heart, my soul, my body. So I use my free will to die to self-will and I enter into God's will. Now, to support and encourage ourselves in this, I want you to daily meditate on this particular verse. And I know you probably all know it, but I'm going to read it to you in the message version. This is Philippians 1, six, And it says, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it, bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. That's, a, that's beautiful. God is saying... That, that he is not, he is going to begin, he begun a good work in us and he's going to be faithful to complete it in us. So that is wonderfully comforting to me because sometimes I want to quit. And so it's really comforting to know that God never quits. He never quits on me. Even if I quit, he never quits. So we want to remind ourselves that our intention is to surrender to God's work and believe that he will complete it. He has a way and we want to desire his way. Very important that we remember that when we're surrendering to God's work, that we believe that he will complete it, that we have faith in who God says he is, not faith in ourselves to complete it. This is why God says, he who began a good work will complete it. That he didn't say, I began a good work in you, now you go complete it. So in Proverbs fourteen twelve, I like this verse. It says, there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again, it leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. So when we're looking at what God's will is versus our will, we have to understand that we may have good intentions. We may even have good ideas. We may even have noble intentions. But what God says to us is because of our lack of knowledge many times and wisdom, because we can't know everything. He says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. So this is why we have this position of intention, that we position ourselves intentionally to seek out God's will, to continuously surrender our will so that we don't get into doing it our way. So when God t- talks to us about his way, this is what he says in Isaiah 55, 8. He says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work, and the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they water the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. What an amazing thought. What an amazing statement. That God is saying, I don't think like you think. I don't work the way you work. It's higher than the heavens. And that all the words that I speak will not come back empty-handed. They will do the work I sent them to do. And so the words that he spoke was, I began a good work in you. I will complete it. So we can trust this. Now, I like this. um, I read this devotional. It's called Streams in the Desert. And this one was for January 2nd. And so I read Streams in the Desert pretty much every year. And so it says, not many of us are living out our best. We linger in the lowlands because we're afraid to climb the mountains. The steepness and the ruggedness dismay us. And so we stay in the misty valleys and do not learn the mystery of the hills. We do not know what we lose in our self-indulgence. What glory awaits us if we only had the courage for the mountain climb? What blessing should we find if only we would move to the uplands of God? So as we're positioning ourselves with intention and praying and seeking God's will for our lives and believing that he's going to do that, he's going to give us the courage that we need because he has great plans for us. Great plans indeed. So as we continue in this mindset, let's look at a second point in preparing and living out this next year. So remember, the number one is we position with intention, our heart and our mind, all that is in me to desire, God's will. So the second one is we bring the year to a close and we keep it closed. Now, what does that mean? See, God made time and seasons for a reason, like we talked about before. He knew we needed new beginnings. And so in Ecclesiastes 3, it says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. So like we mentioned earlier in the show, we get these mini seasons every time we go to bed and we rise for the new day. So we need to appreciate being afforded new beginnings each day and follow God's practice. So we want to follow that when he says his, in, in, um, I love this verse in Lamentations again where it talks about his mercies are new every morning because he says because of the Lord's great love we were not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness great is your faithfulness so we're coming up on a break so we're going to discuss this whole idea of bringing the year to a close and keeping it closed because it's very very important that just as yesterday ended And I have to understand that that is the past. The past is gone. The future hasn't occurred. And it's the day that I'm living in. This is Cynthia Height with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about your best year ever. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt. And we are talking about your best year ever. And in the last segment, we talked at length about this idea that we position with intention. We have a position of intention. And that that is we position our hearts and our minds, our soul, our body, our will to seek out God's will. That it's God's will, that his will be done, not my will. And so then the second point is that we bring the year to a close and we keep it closed. So why is this so important? Well, it's extremely important to see the importance of positioning the past in the past as well. You see, God tells us that he puts our sins as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. And this is because God doesn't need to learn from them. He doesn't need to learn from our sins. Nor does he need those memories for his identity. It's imperative that we go through the grief and loss process as we reconcile and forgive others and ourselves about whatever it was that went on in that last year, that we really want the past to be the past so that we can experience the present completely. So we may need to go through that whole grief and loss process, and we have talked about that on different shows, and that's that we go through shock and denial and bargaining And that bargaining stages, we just, it's the could have, should have, would have, if only then, if only I would have done this, I wouldn't have lost that job. If only I would have done this, I wouldn't have lost that relationship. Oh, I should have acted like this, or I could have done this, and then this would have happened. And so some of it, we just have to say, enough, enough. It is what it is, and it's over. And I have to grieve that, and I have to be angry, feel the anger feelings about it, I have to feel the sadness about it, so that I can get to acceptance and eventually forgiveness. And so that's hard because no one likes to shock themselves. I I don't like shocking myself unless it's good. And so these things, these memories that need to be resolved, these are the ones that have energy in them. So you always know that something is unresolved. When you think about the event or the person or the hope or the dream or whatever it is, and all these feelings start happening and you get that, or that sinking feeling when you remember it, or the rush of adrenaline, or I close my eyes and I sigh. Those kinds of things. See, these are past issues that I need to look at through the eyes of a healthy parent. So I need to look at this past year through the eyes of a healthy caregiver, a healthy parent, an advocate, or a best friend. See, God knows I'm going to do stupid things. Those things that to us seem unforgivable, that are costly, that are gross, whatever that is, things that, that, these things are helping us become who God intended for us to be, even if they are negative. So this does not mean that we look at this behavior or incident objectively. Um, It it means that we, I mean, I'm sorry, it means we do look at these things objectively and with forgiveness. That we're taking away the importance of the offense or mistake. We're saying the importance is not necessarily important now unless I learned from it. See, we're realizing that these behaviors don't always indicate who we are. What we're wanting to have is that behaviors that reinforce and express who I truly am. So when I have behaviors or moments or I've made decisions that really aren't me, that's helpful to know because that helps me to go, okay, that's not me. That's not who I want to be, and that's not how I want to act. So they can be, they can be guideposts. They can be alter experiences that change the direction for me. So what we're wanting to have is behaviors that truly express who I am. This is who, this is who Jesus is. He was God in human form. So every behavior that he had, Everything he did authentically expressed who he was. So in this, in this human God, every word, every gesture, every decision was an exact expression of who he authentically was. So this is the goal. Now, none of us have attained this. And this is why that Philippians 1, 6 verse is so important. It means that I must resolve and let die and not let there be live memories in my past. You know, it's that, that famous pet cemetery, you know, that we have to remember that these, these live things that we buried aren't dead. So even though we bury them, they're still alive. So this also applies to successes. Just as I cannot continue to live in the shame and embarrassment of past behaviors or mistakes, I must not live in my past successes either. This means that what I'm taking with me into the new year, into my future, are lessons. That's what I'm taking. So we want to be wise people that learn, not fools that continue to repeat. Because shame will cause me to continue to repeat past sins and mistakes and perform new sins and mistakes. This is why God is so good about forgiving us. He knows that we need new mercies to start again. He doesn't want us oppressed with our past. See, God doesn't want that toxic shame. It keeps people in bondage and isolated from getting help. The only way to heal from shame of the past is through exposure, which means I confess my sin to another. I'm loved, prayed for, and I'm healed. This is why therapy is such a powerful experience for people, because they finally tell somebody what they really feel like they could never tell another human being. And they are still loved, and they are forgiven, and they are freed. Because we can't live in the bondage of all the things that we are hiding. So we are to remember the past and we are to learn from it. Now, we are never to use hindsight for self-abuse. It is only intended to see where we were as is related to where we are going. So we need our memories to remind us of either who we are or who we are not. So you have to remember that people with amnesia, dementia, Alzheimer's, many times these relationships are impossible because they don't know who they are. So when we're reviewing our past, we must resist judgment and condemnation that those behaviors may be telling us who we're not. So we need to remember that. So we know that God says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, he paid the price for our ability to learn and grow without being in debt. It's similar to your parents paying for car insurance while you're learning to drive. So you're allowed to make mistakes because there's no other way to learn. Humans learn by making mistakes. And God is aware of this and has made provision for it. See, I'm always comforted by the fact that God has already provided for all the mistakes that I'm going to make. And I must evaluate based on facts. Did that work for me? Do I want to repeat it? Do I want to integrate that behavior into my being? If not, then I use it as a reference point to tell me not to do that, that now I know it doesn't work. So I can check that off the list. Now, if it's a repetitive issue, then the learning process is finding out what causes the repetition or the bondage to that particular behavior or cycle. And you may want to get some professional help. You may want to have a mentor or a life coach that helps you kind of untangle some of that. Because Satan wants me to get so caught up in how egregious the behavior might be that I feel so condemned and ashamed that I can't do any healthy problem solving. See, God knows, we must know that sin is not logical. It never is. That's why it's so embarrassing. We have all these really smart, brilliant people doing really dumb things. Because God knows that sin isn't logical. So it's important, as we are kind of closing out this last segment, I want you to hear this verse in Isaiah forty three eighteen through 19. And this says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road to the desert, rivers in the badlands. Wild animals will say thank you, because I provided water in the desert, rivers through sun-baked earth. Drinking water for the people I choose, the people I made especially for myself. So we want to really look at this. We want to forget about what happened. And I don't mean truly forget. God's saying, forget about it. Don't dwell on it, even if it's good. Because he's saying, if it's good, I'm even doing better. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again in the next segment as we talk about your best year ever. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And I do want to encourage you always to check out my website, which is CynthiaHyatt.com. C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. You can also find me on Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. That's I-N-C for incorporated. So I'd love it when you all visit me and give me any insights or comments that you have about the shows and things that you would also like me to talk about. And I'm also a keynote speaker, so if you would like me to speak at any of your events, you can also contact me through my website. So here we are talking about your best year ever, and how are we going to do that? And we first really identified that it's important that we have a position of intention. And that means that we position intentionally our hearts, our minds, our soul, our body, on God's will, not our will. So we're using our free will to die to self-will, to enter in to God's will. And then we're also realizing how important it is that we put the past in the past, that we really close that year up well and we keep it closed. We don't continue to revisit it unless we are only learning and we're using it as a reference point. So we don't want to live in the past because the past is over. God is saying, I'm done there. It's already happened. I want you to move on. So even if it was phenomenally wonderful, great successes or wonderfully great experiences, we still have to move forward because God is telling us in, in this wonderful, one of my favorite life verses is Isaiah forty three eighteen through 21. And this is God saying, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. I provided water in the desert, rivers through the sun-baked earth, drinking water for the people I chose, the people I made especially for myself, and that he's doing a good work in us, and he's faithful to complete it, even when we're faithless, He's faithful. He doesn't quit on us. and how important that is, as we are doing this marathon of life, to know that God has already made provision for all my mistakes. He already knows the mistakes I'm going to make, the really big ones, the small ones, whatever they are, and that I need to practice. Forgiveness, just as God does. Because how dare I not forgive myself or others when he has worked so hard, given his entire life, so that my debts, my mistakes are paid for. So that I have the opportunity to simply learn from them. And that's what learning is about. So we want to really remember also that major losses, loss of a loved one, a business, a major relationship, if we've been stolen from, These types of losses may not be completely resolved in one year. What we want to do is review and accept the progress that we have made in the healing process. And we continue to move forward with God's will and his intention for our life. So we really give ourselves time to heal. But the things that we can put closure on, we want to be diligent to do that. Because we really want to go into every day new and one of the ways we do that is we let yesterday be yesterday. And, and I have to be honest with you, my tendency is to live in the past and, and then futurize everything. And so I can either regret the past or love the past and then look on to the future with worry or fret or whatever that is, or hope or dreams, and I'm not doing my present day. And I have to tell you the truth, when you're not in the moment that you're in, you're going to make a lot more mistakes and you're going to miss out on a lot of really cool things, which adds to our regret. So we have to be really intentional about living in the day that God has given us. So again, we're not going to vilify resolutions. I want to go back to this. I want you to see resolutions as vision setters. So they're intended to be reference points as to what we're believing is God's will for us. It's not something to beat me up with because I haven't completed it or arrived or I've messed it up. It's that every new day brings a new beginning for me and I can start every day as a new year. So if it's July 30th, I can start a new year again. And I can really continue to look forward to God's will for me and the w- and what he's doing in my current day. So that number two thing is we bring the year to a close, we keep it closed. And sometimes it helps to journal about a lot of those events, to memorialize them, to get all that energy out in a really safe and healthy way. Because this causes you to be a safer, an emotionally, psychologically, spiritually safer individual for the people that are in your life as well. So forgiveness, acceptance of yourself and others is imperative as we go into this new year. And we're kind of coming up again on a break. So we talked about position and intention, closing the year out and keeping it closed. And we're going to start in the next segment. We're going to talk about creating new beginnings for myself and asking God for the new things that he has with me. And then we're going to also talk about this fourth step, that after we do that, we seek, we ask, and we believe. And we really are are diligent and intentional about seeking God's will for the new year. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about your best year ever. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad you joined me today. We are talking about this wonderful topic that I love, and that is your best year ever. And again, I also want to encourage you to please visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com and Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's I-N-C for incorporated. And again, you can spell my name, C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. It's really spelled the way it sounds. So we first talked about this whole idea about position with intention or position of intention. And so we're really positioning our heart, our mind, our soul, our body, our spirit to be in line with God's will. And the the best way we do that is we use our free will to surrender our self-will or to die to self-will and enter into God's will. And that we can know that he has started a good work in us and he is going to be faithful to complete it. And then we talked a lot about this idea of closing out the year and keeping it closed. And that we probably have to go through the grief and loss process, which means we have to feel some anger, some sadness. We may get into bargaining, you know, and bargaining is Americans are great at that. It's the coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then, because we may not want to accept that something is over. And it might be that we don't want to, want to accept it because it's so good. And it might be that we can't accept it because it's so bad. We just can't believe it happened. So it's imperative that we go through that grief and loss process. So we get to the place of acceptance. And with acceptance oftentimes is where that forgiveness lies and that we're forgiving ourselves and we're forgiving others. You know, and I'm frequently telling clients that one, that famous saying, I think um, it's in the big book. I think it comes from AA. It's acceptance, the key to all my problems. And when I live in acceptance, that helps me live in the present. Because what God is wanting is for us not to live in the past and not to be futurizing as well. He's wanting us to live in the day that he gave us. That is a good day. And he tells us that every day his mercies are new. They're new for us every morning. So I was saying in the last segment, it's so nice that we have 24 hours. God knew that we needed these mini seasons that, that I couldn't just do the, the whole entire, t- like, 2,400-hour day. It would kill us. And so God was very good about having a beginning and an end. So every morning, I get to wake up and say, you know what, I can start a new year today. Even if it's July 30th or September 15th, I can start a new year today. So this third thing here that we're doing is we're creating new beginnings for myself by asking God, for the new things he has for me. This really means I don't get in God's way or fight him. It means that, again, I practice a step of faith and believe that God has really good things for me because he promises that he does. He says in Ephesians 3.20, he can do amazingly more than we can ever hope for or imagine. And so immeasurably more, amazingly more. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So just like we have a new day every morning, we get to start over again. And even if we have some carryover from yesterday that isn't complete, we work on that completing process with God and that resolution process with him. And so he's telling me about me as well. Just like the new day starts, he says, if you're in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. And so that's an ongoing process, evolutionary process, that every day I'm becoming that new creation that God has intended for me to be. No matter how messy it may look, because you want to remember, humans are very messy. And it's very messy when you're dealing with humans. And so when we're looking at this whole idea of becoming this new creation, we also realize that something has to die. And what usually, actually always has to die, is our self-will. That's our desire to do it our way, even if we think we have a good way. And as we talked about earlier in Proverbs fourteen twelve, it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. So even if I'm doing a good thing, if it's not God's good thing, it's going to lead to death in my life. It's not going to produce the fruit that he is wanting to produce. It's not going to get the outcome that he has designed for me, that wonderful life plan, those good plans that God has for me. So, there's several important verses that help us intentionally position our hearts and minds for, for this new beginning and this new future that we have, not one of the past. And so we, here we see this need for seasons and for time. And we see the need to allow the past to be the past. And we're now going to experience new mercies for others and ourselves and accepting God's grace and forgiveness. And we're using this as a new way to experience the new year that God has afforded us. So we now look into the future we don't live there for what God has for us with godly anticipation and excitement. So we don't look into the future with foreboding, because remember, he tells us in Isaiah, forget about the past, I'm doing a new thing. And we know in Jeremiah 29, 11, he has good plans for us, to prosper us, not to harm us, for a hope and for a future. So what might be getting in the way of this new thing that God is wanting to do? And so let's look at this verse in Matthew nine sixteen. It says, he went on, and he says, no one cuts up a fine silk scarf to patch old work clothes. You want fabrics that match. You don't put your wine in cracked bottles. That's the message version, and I like that. He says, no one cuts up fine silk scarf to patch old work clothes. You want the fabrics to match. This is why we're not bringing the past into the present. That's why God is saying you need to leave it back there. That's where it belongs. It doesn't belong here today. The only part of the past that belongs here is what I learned. Because he wants fabrics to match. So he wants this day with who I am today to be here today. Those things match when I'm doing the past and pulling the future into the present. The fabrics don't match. So when I'm looking forward with godly anticipation toward the future, I'm really saying, God, your will be done, whatever it is that you want. And I can tell God some of my hopes and dreams and desires. He wants me to talk to him about it. But I want to be holding on loosely to what I think is the plan. So when we look at that, what are old wineskins for you? And one of it might be, what am I afraid of? What fears am I having that might be holding me back? Is it disapproval? Is it failing? Is there unresolved pain? Is there unforgiveness? Is there lack of acceptance of who I am? Is there a resistance to letting something die? Am I not working through that process well? So what is it that I'm afraid of? Am I afraid that God doesn't really have good things? Or that maybe I've I've messed it up too much? So what are some of my old ways of thinking that I need to say? You know, I need to stop in that way. What are my false beliefs? Is that I'm too old? I'm not smart enough? Am I letting my past failures define me? Am I struggling with the same sin, that sin that so easily besets me? Am I beating myself up about that and living in condemnation, saying, well, I can't, God can't use me until I, until I get past that sin? And I have to remind you and tell you repeatedly that God only can use sinners because that's all he has down here, are sinners. There isn't anybody else. Jesus was the only one that was perfect that he used. Otherwise, he's using all of us. It doesn't mean that God is, is condoning or agreeing with the sin in your life. It means that he accepts who you are today because he's doing a good work. And we are not to let the enemy cause us to fall into false beliefs or live in the past or beat ourselves up for the past or think that we don't have a future because we haven't overcome some kind of a sin. So what might else be some of my old wineskins? Would it be habits? Be lifestyles? Would it be judgments, maybe legalism? What's really holding me down? What's keeping me living in the past or worrying and fretting about the future? So I want you to really think about those things. And so we're going to seek, we're going to ask, we're going to believe. And so we're going to say, okay, God, I'm going to forget about the former things. I'm just going to take from that learning. And I'm not going to dwell on the past. And I'm going to see that you're doing a new thing. What is the new thing that God is doing in your life today? And the new thing may be just that you're listening to the show and being willing to maybe integrate some of that. Maybe that's the new thing. Maybe as you're driving in your car, you're willing to not speed. That's a new thing. I know for myself in Arizona, it's hard to not speed here. We've got crazy traffic. And so there's all kinds of new things. Maybe he's doing a really big new thing. Maybe you found out you're pregnant. Maybe you got a new job. Maybe the the new thing that's happening is negative. Maybe it's an illness, and so God's saying, "I'm doing a new thing, even if you're in the midst of a trauma." He says, "I'm doing a new thing in that." And so we have Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, that says, "I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future." This is, see, remember, we're seeking, we're asking, we're believing. Because verse 12 says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So when we're thinking about this new creation, we have Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance to do. That's amazing. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus that's the new creation that we are and he has prepared good works in advance for us to do and he is going to make sure that good work gets done and then in Isaiah chapter 30 this is verse 18 through 22 I love this it says but God's not finished he's waiting around to be gracious to you he's gathering strength to show mercy to you God takes the time to do everything right everything And those who wait around for him are the lucky ones. I love that. God's not finished. He's waiting around to be gracious for you. He's gathering strength to show mercy to you. He takes time to do everything right. Everything. So those who wait around are lucky. There are so many verses that can give us hope about our future. And Luke 11.9 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you. Verse 10 in Luke 11, it says, For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, you would give him a scorpion? So if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we are asking God for his spirit. This is what's important. When we are seeking after God, he says we will find him. And when we are asking and receiving that Holy Spirit, then we are better able to understand, acknowledge and see the good work God is doing and the plan that he has for us. So we're kind of coming to an end and I want you to join me next week because we're going to finish up this best year ever. And we are going to talk next week about managing our internal and external world, living in love, that it's important in this new year that we live in love and why that's so important. And then we are going to spend a lot of time on don't worry. But in the new year, if the only thing you get out of today and next week is I don't want you to live with worry because worry harms your brain and you're going to find out next week how that is. So again, today... We have a position of intention. We position ourselves with the intention of having our mind, our body, our soul, our spirit, all that is within us, seeking after God's will. That we are dying to self-will and entering into God's will. And that we are closing up the year. We are resolving it as best as we can. And we are starting our new year. And we are keeping that closed. And we are forgetting about all those past things, even if they were great. And we are perceiving the new good thing that God is doing. And we are letting mercies be new every morning. That every morning we get to start over. And we're going to use New Year's resolutions as vision setters, not as a way to condemn us. And we are going to let those new beginnings happen. And we are going to believe that we are that new creation. And that the old has gone and that the new is here. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for sharing this time with me today. I look forward to talking to you next week about your best year ever. And God bless you today.
0: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you.